Hello, it's Rafaela here from ThreadUp. I continue to support the creative community through this crisis with all sessions now on video and phone calls. For details, please check threadup.co.uk. You can also find details of free check-ins I offer on my Twitter at threadup underscore and on Instagram and Facebook at threadup. Please share this. Somebody out there might need it. Stay safe and let's get through it together. Welcome to Psychomedy Daily Dose, the spin-off series of short episodes of Psychomedy. During this time of shutdown of the live comedy circuit due to coronavirus, I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology. And three times a week now, on Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday, I'm going to be talking with a different comedian about the current situation, along with passing on some hopefully really helpful and positive strategies and coping mechanisms from the counselling professionals we partner with at threadup.co.uk. They're there to support you, and if you'd like to support this podcast, if you're enjoying what we're doing, please go to patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy. I'm hoping that by sharing experiences and some positivity with comedians, we can all get through this together in the best possible way. Joining me on Psychomedy, it's Brendan Burns. Brendan, hello. Hello, Nathan. You look well. So do you, man. So do you. How are you? We've just been speaking. So how you are is a complex issue in itself, is it not? Uh, yeah, it is. It is. But I also am doing better in lockdown than most. But I think, and, and at first I was actually feeling pretty guilty about it. But then as uh, several people pointed out to me, I'm probably owed a bit of luck. So uh, they're like, yeah. nah, fuck it. Take it. You're fine. Yeah, I saw your beautiful vista there, looking out onto the Melbourne skyline, uh, and I was about to say, think, you've got it all going on, Brendan, it's all good news for you, and then, uh, well, yeah. When, uh, yeah, when the lockdown started, I was in South Bank, uh, overlooking the Melbourne city, uh, uh, I've got, like, I've got this beautiful vista of a morning, and I get the sunrises as well, mm. and it feels odd that... I was already making the transition from stand-up into screenwriting. Although, as we may later divulge, I'm still not even sure if that was my idea or not. Uh, and we'll get, yeah, let's put a pit in that for now. And uh, so I was, yeah, staying at just an apartment um, because uh, my son lives in Melbourne, and I was between my hometown of Perth and visiting him here and on my way to New York, and then coronavirus hit. Yeah. And, uh, and my brother's done a lot of work throughout uh, the Middle East and Asia and uh, Africa and West Africa, and the first thing he was saying to me as well was, this is a, a strain, this is a version of SARS, and he's like, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere because SARS hit pigs, and pigs' DNA is way too close to ours, and this is going to be bad. And his kids, his kids were already kind of uh, all around the world with their various jobs, so he was already working to getting them in one place. So thank fuck when lockdown happens... I was about to jump on a plane and go to New York. Yeah. And yeah. then I would have literally landed in New York when that's that, that's what my plans were. And this all happened in the space of a week. I would have landed in New York and all gigs would have been cancelled. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking I might, you know, go to New York and just get back into stand-up and just finish my scripts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I find as a writer that I really struggle to do both. I like to be up. Sunrise is important for me mm. intellectually and psychologically. And I find that my morning brain is the most active, the most creative. It's obviously uh, uh, you, you've accessed far more subconscious and unconscious and often you know so much script writing involves problem solving yeah. and 
And I think your brain is doing that while you're asleep with a lot of things, as long as you plant that seed. You can probably see on my windows here. I don't know. But it just... This, this place is all windows, so uh, it's written. It's it's a great little whiteboard. Oh yeah, nice. Got a nice little three season arc. Yeah. Next to just me. So what are you? What are you working on? What are you writing? Uh, I just finished a sitcom that I wa- I've been working on for years. That. Uh, actually was in development in 2012 and then uh, a writer of a show that I really respect and look up to uh, had taken a bit of a shine to me and, and acted as a bit of a mentor. Mm-hmm. Was that and, was that Jimmy? Jimmy. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 I listened to the um, I listened to the last episode of the Dumb White um guy podcast and your your chat with him at oh the end of that God, did, you, did you listen to the final series i listened to the final episode i mean if you want to just talk about that for a sec i mean just straight off the bat i just thought that was i mean i don't consume much media strangely i don't consume i create a lot of me you know stuff i don't consume a lot of tv or podcasts um but my goodness i'm going to consume that because uh i just thought that was incredible uh that um so i listened to that two-hour episode i just thought it was really incredible man just the whole the whole journey was clearly incredible but the way you've done that i think is uh just incredible like a true a true artist you know a true artist for me is someone that like makes their mark on the world does stuff that no one else has done and you've done that here, man. I think it's great. I think it's great. Really? I yeah. can't remember the final one that much. All I know is that final series, now in hindsight, knowing what I do, mm. uh, is actually a cry for help. Mm. That I don't... Fuck it. I don't have issues with reality. I was in a torturous gaslighting relationship for over a decade. Mm. And weirdly enough, my ex-wife has an alter ego and it's very strange how much she never revealed her name it's like she always knew she was going to cover shit up mm-hmm. uh so yeah i was actually the arizona getting stranded all of that shit was actually just a desperate attempt to remind myself that i what a capable individual i was so i went always been a bit of an extreme individual so i went down the grand canyon and got a fucking <laughs> non-four-wheel drive SUV stranded in a ravine just to see if I could get it out. Man, it was incredible. I mean, just like, yeah, knowing the additional layer of what you were going through as well. But God, ah, it's just, even without that, it, it just an incredible story. And now with that extra layer, it's like, oh my God, I could be speaking to you for 10 hours and we wouldn't we wouldn't get, drill down into what was going on there, probably, would we? Well, lockdown, no. It's uh, Well, I mean, I'm not going to try and address someone else's madness, I think, because that is part of the torturing structure. Mm. Uh, and it's textbook, textbook stuff. And I think also that final series is a great, a great deal of that is almost part of the awakening you know it takes a thousand things to drive you insane i believe i said yeah and it takes a thousand things to bring you back and because i was recording so much stuff and taking photos and writing things down and one of the worst things about being gaslighted as a guy as well is the internet gaslights you as well because if you try and look up, if you Google anything, I think a lot more men are coming forward, but if you Google anything about domestic abuse or gaslighting or psychological torturing in a relationship, everything says he, 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 he. So if you are being gaslighted, society just supports it. It just says, no, you can't be. It can't possibly be. It couldn't possibly be happening to you. It is not possible. Uh, You you know, your thinking is all wrong. Um, But I'm not going to shit on women because uh, women were the first ones to believe me. 
Yeah. Women were the first ones to listen. Women, you know, without being uh, too neat or dramatic with it, women were the first ones to tell me me too. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons that it so very rarely gets reported uh, is, first of all, you're kind of told it couldn't possibly happen. And secondly, you've been convinced to put this person's trauma as the center of your universe and vulnerable narcissism or toxic individuals like you know we said this off air they think their thinking is incredibly complex and sophisticated but it's really quite unsophisticated and mm. that it's all of their worst actions are things that happened never things they did and they will be immediately redefined as martyrdom or altruism yeah. so it's they view their worst actions and they don't want any you know the classic classic case of refusal to communicate about it at all resulting in tantruming um you know uh further abuse more coercive control, more emotional blackmail, projection, reflection, all the, all the classic stuff. Um, and so as I was documenting everything and, and was under the impression that I was having some sort of mushroom flashback, I only realized this now in hindsight. This is the first time I've said this out loud publicly because it's been six months of uh, intensive PTSD treatment and undoing of it uh, uh, but I guess it was fortuitous because when you're documenting and recording everything slowly but surely you realize wait a minute that's not what happened that's not what happened and then if you do look it up and you just replace he with she and everything you're told is start making notes Start writing shit down. And so I did. And that was really quite harrowing. The speed yeah. with, with the speed with which this individual would redefine and rebuild her own reality was horrifying. And then she tried to convince me that my, uh, you know, we've got it documented for fuck's sake. Now you've just reminded me. The Jimmy was helping, you know, in the final episode, Jimmy was helping me out with my script. He believed in me and he has credentials through the roof. That he's been a bit of a fan for a decade. And she tried to convince me that I was in denial and that it wasn't real. And that I needed to stay on her dad's farm and drive an Uber or some shit. Get a regular paycheck. Shit. Yeah. So were you... Were you so... Were, you so, hey, so, the upshot of that, I know, like, the, I see the look on your face. You're, you're horrified and harrowed. But the, ups, the upside is lockdown ain't shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm like, yeah. My usual questions are out the window. It's like, how's lockdown for you, Brendan? That, that must be awful for you. No. So it, here I am. I'm in the same city as my kid. Yeah. Uh, I... I got very lucky in that a, uh, a very professional, very respected, like when I was looking up clinical and forensic psychologists, this guy's name kept coming up as the guy that trained them. Yeah. And uh, I got through to him and he thought it was after hours and he thought it was a mate. So he answers the phone going, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's the noise I make. He's like, hey, <laughs> I went, hello. And he's like, oh, hello. And I went, I, I remember vividly. I went, hi, my name's Brendan Burns. And I'm afraid that I think I may have been in a, an abusive gaslighting relationship. And I've had the structures of the 12 step recovery program as a means to an end to coercively control and brainwash. And he goes, oh, Shit, sorry, I thought it was a friend. <laughs> so he um, took it on semi-pro-bodo. Mm. 
as a test case, but he'd even say that it, it was, he, he does quite a bit of pro bono work with uh, wrongfully accused prisoners uh, that get out on DNA evidence. Yeah. And to begin with, uh, it's okay. You don't have to look so serious. Uh, it's uh, this is really a happy story. I'm no, probably. man. It's uh, it's it's. I mean, it brings it brings stuff back for me as well. So it's. Um, I mean, I'm glad you're in a happier place now. But yeah, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be laughing about what you what you've gone through, man. It's it's the worst thing in the world to me. Well, it's funny that everyone close to me. You know how I mine my life for new hours of stand up, and it's odd that. Uh, I'd even said in that final episode, I can't keep putting myself <laughs> in situations just for the sake of a new hour or yeah. a new podcast or whatever. But since then, everyone keeps saying to me, holy fuck, this new hour is going to be amazing. Hour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to be like the first, it's going to be one of the, like a Mark Watson 24-hour show, isn't it? Um, well... I, I think I'll probably turn it into something else, and you, because I, 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 having lived with someone that was a perpetual victim, uh, I don't want to be a victim. Mm. Uh, I'm done letting anyone play that game, but I don't want it to define me either. Like I can, I can take this and turn it into something, you know, beautiful and funny and poignant. But I also. I don't want that to be all there is to me. Yeah. So I've kind of already uh, put it in something and that's finished. Mm. But now moving on to the next thing. Because again, as I excuse the segues, there's a lot to unpick, obviously. Uh, the Yeah, he said that I was at, at first, I reminded him exactly of these long term prisoners uh, that get out on DNA evidence that freedom terrifies them. And when you remove a destructive element that's continually telling you that all your ideas are stupid, that you're destined to fail without their approval, uh, and anytime you seem to be like getting independent or getting away from where they want you, uh, they will create a drama or a tragedy and, you know, it was it was strange because if I was successful, I was abandoning her as a husband. Uh, but then if she was being the main bread owner, I was failing her as a man. Uh, and it was just always one or the other. Yeah. And uh, so I was overwhelmed with the world being my oyster. It was too many choices. So, again, lockdown ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, thrilled man. to have that choice taken from me. I kind of understand how dictatorships happen because life gets easy. <laughs> yeah. When um, when everyone when someone when you are told what to do, what to wear, who to see, yeah. what to eat, uh, where to go, I hadn't dressed myself in five years. First time I went to a, a, a shop, uh, a, a, a Fuck, I don't even know the name for it. A department store. Right. Uh, I went to H&M to buy clothes for myself, and I just stood there staring into space for 30 minutes solid going, what do I like? I didn't even know. Well, she was buying you clothes and yeah, dressing clothes and you? Dressing, yeah. yeah. Right. But I was in debt at the time, and then she wanted me to go to a 12-step program for debt. Right. Uh, but then... Anytime I kind of got ahead and got independence, she'd put the kibosh on it. Yeah. Um, and by the way, she has no idea she did this. Yeah. I, yeah. I well, but I, I know that she suspects she does. Because when I said I'm leaving, never in the history of any relationship, like I saw her build up her walls of reality her false reality yeah. uh, within minutes. It was really quite terrifying. And I only when I, I, I broken on the floor was that that's, she doesn't even know what moment was. She doesn't even know why I left. But also, she didn't even ask. But then yeah. apparently I blindsided her and left out of the blue. So never, that's the, that's the most damning evidence of all. 
yeah, I can I can totally understand that. Uh, relationships. Someone apparently left out of the blue, and the person doesn't ask why. Yeah. Yeah, but there there might be a lot of a lot of her that doesn't realise that what she was doing was wrong. During these uh, torture sessions that she would redefine as uh, sharing her pain. Yeah. Again, textbook. Of she had alter ego names. My best friends were actually hers. She dressed me. Uh, I became financially dependent on her. And. Uh, uh, and I even offered these ritualistic torture sessions that would sometimes go for over an hour where she would just talk at me maniacally. Yeah. Uh, it's called stupefying with intent. Uh, and it's it's on a par with giving someone rehypnol. It, like, carries a sentence of 10 to 20 years. And even other domestic abuse survivors have said, I'd rather get punched in the head. I'd rather, the, the violence wasn't the bad bit. Yeah, yeah. This was the year of your Edinburgh Comedy Award win, was it, when it's, I guess, started? Uh, yeah, I met her after that. She interviewed me. She was a journalist. Yeah. So, but again, I don't want to make this all about, that's her issues, that's her problem. She's not my problem anymore. Um, yeah. Well, that's a, good, that's a good thing, man. It's like, it, it, it can be a good thing that you're not that you're maybe not going to use it, as you say, not going to mine it. But, you know, there are several reasons not to do that. Um, as you say, if you've used it briefly, I, I did exactly the same thing. When I went through something, I thought, well, I've got to write about this. I've got to talk about this. Then I started writing about it. I started talking about it in stand-up briefly. And uh, I did a show which mentioned it, and then it went really well. And I said to my producer at the end, I came off stage and I said, I'm never, ever doing that show again i built it up for the leicester comedy festival a couple of years ago i said i'm never ever doing that show again he was like what are you talking about it went really well i'm like i just don't want to talk about that ever again that's gone and now How i so relate because like, i felt so light after that yeah i just felt that a weight had been lifted and my show subsequently to that it got nominated at the ironically at the leicester comedy festival for best show this year it became something that was so uplifting something that was mining what I was going through without talking about it directly. So actually mining the feeling of being out of it, mining the lightness um, became a show where for the first time people were coming up to me and using the word uplifting. That's such an uplifting show. You've, you've given me such hope and they don't even know where it came from. Um, so yeah, it's a great idea. It's, I've, always, I, I've had a rule for a long time, ever since the trilogy of don't turn anything into stand-up until you've uh, processed it in real life first. Yeah. And oddly enough, uh, I had friends that had to come and extricate me from the farm, uh, from her dad's farm in the middle of nowhere. And then my family wanted me back in Australia. And I thought... I need to go and sit on a beach somewhere. And then I went up in Southeast Asia for a month or two. And then this, uh, me psych was like, you've got to get on stage. Because I've been watching videos of you. I think you need to remind yourself who you are. And I got on stage and I talked about it. And it was the perfect storm to talk about it. Because I said, what was the way I went into it? I just went, married people. Are you in? Round of applause. Because uh, I, uh, I think I said, am I going to talk about it? I went, fuck it. Yeah, I'll talk about it. And there was only like nine or ten people in on a Thursday night. And I went, am I going to talk about it? Fuck it. Fuck it. And so I guess it was kind of a weird... Because when someone on stage says, am I going to talk about it? <laughs> and you've already said some pretty heavy stuff anyway. Yeah. People are expecting something quite heavy, and I the the way I got into it, it was just uh, I hadn't I think I wrote down about ten pages on a um, on a hotel uh, notepad an hour before showtime. Mm. Uh, very loose idea, and I said married people, and people were like, "What he's doing the married people single people thing?" <laughs> like, what you know? I went married people. Any married people in? 
<laughs> and we're like, hey, and I went, hey, any single people in? And people are like, really? That's where you yeah. And I went, domestic <laughs> abuse survivors. Any domestic abuse survivors? Right? Uh, gaslight, gaslight victims? Anyone? Anyone? Uh, ever, uh, much more, you know, how much more confident everyone is but them? Married <laughs> <laughs> people. Hey, single people. Hey. Here's a Jefferson, someone who's one of them suck a dick. Right. And, um, and then I just went from there. And before I knew it, a new hour yeah. had happened. Um, and I got off stage and Ollie was just dumbfounded. And he went, I'm the only person in this room. He goes, that's how, he goes, he was incredulous. He goes, how does someone... I, he said, I'm the only person in the room that knows full well you can't have done any of that before, ever. Like, and you can't have had any time to practice it. Like, if you say you wrote down on a notepad an hour before you went up, and uh, to repeat what he said would just be braggadocious. But anyway. Uh, he goes, just how how does someone get to that stage? And I was like, right. First thing you do <laughs> is you get tortured for a decade. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so is that the only time? Is that the only time you've talked about it then on stage? So you talked about uh, it that once and then parked it, or? Uh, yeah, and I just, yeah. and he was like, this new hour is going to be blah, blah, blah. And like you, I, I was like, I don't know if that's where I'm going to put this. Yeah. As you say, working it through in life is a good thing to do before you uh, work it through on stage. But yeah, being it out there once, I think, is... Uh... And also the reason, actually, the set worked uh, so well was it was mostly women in the room. And mm. when I said domestic abuse survivors, about 80% of them put their hands up. Right. And so by the time I got to that joke, they were like, this guy gets to say whatever the fuck he wants. Because I like, I divulged enough details and they identified enough that they were like, yeah. this guy isn't lying. This is yeah. exactly what happens. And so many people have been through it. So as soon as I start talking about it to anyone that I think hasn't gone through it, they say, yeah, I went through it. And they, you know, they go through what it's they've not, gone through as well. It ain't a guy thing. It ain't, here's the thing we need to get past is it isn't a guy thing. It isn't a girl thing. It's a people thing. Yeah. It's how people treat people. And if we get bogged down into which gender did what, because often abusers their argument will always be i can't be an abuser because i myself was abused and then if you start getting into the argument of if if blokes start doing the whole well fucking men too where it's like fuck you too the moment the me too movement came out and then was followed up with the hashtag of believe all women and then Hashtag not all men. Abuse survivors. We're all going, fuck all of you cunts. Shut the fuck up. Don't you understand that bickering over who did what to who first is exactly what we just got away from? Shut the, will you shut the fuck up and give us just five seconds for our brains to heal? and process shit instead of making it about you and your agenda uh yeah it's not about gender yeah people do bad things to people yeah well then the next thing you got to ask yourself is why me why do i attract these people or why do i put up with it and i'm not going to go into that uh but i found out and that was fucking horrifying. But that wouldn't be a question I'd ask, really, because I think anyone can get into these situations. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a, a white. I Not think for it, a decade. I think they can. I think they really can. 
I think you have to have been trained or something very traumatic had to have happened that allows you to normalize it. It's drip, drip, though, man. I think it's drip, drip. You don't realize it. You don't realize it until it's too late. And you then you realize it after the fact. As you said, maybe it was only recording stuff, whether you're on this doing this podcast out in Arizona or whenever it was. It's realizing it after the fact, years after the fact, reevaluating stuff. And I don't think it's anything that you can say you're, a, you're you're the type of person that could get sucked into that. I truly believe anyone can. Um, yeah, I think yeah, your better nature gets uh, your better nature gets abused. That's for sure. Yeah. But again, uh, if you're going to gaslight someone, probably best not to try and take on someone who memorizes hours of dialogue for a living. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cut away with it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, so the weird thing is all of the, that's happening in the world right now is strangely fortuitous yeah and maybe a good time for it to happen for you in terms of you've just got time to sit there and write and think and process and talk to your therapist and uh basically yeah yeah rather than rushing into anything and you know uh so it's it's the good it's the perfect time to be making this transition yeah it's the perfect time to um be in the same city as my son. I mean, I could do without the shitty weather. Yeah. So, uh, man, I mean, I'm, I'm like totally, I'm now, of course, totally reevaluating what I've heard then on that dumb white guy podcast. And of course, I mean, I guess I'm totally reevaluating then your, your whole career really since 2007. It's, you talk about healing and processing stuff. Where are you on down that? pathway now uh well i think i'm all right <laughs> <laughs> good to hear brenton good to hear uh, well <clears throat> here's the thing is no, seriously i you I know not to minimize or deflect or anything but i guess when i go into the details and i see the look on your face and you're kind of horrified and like fuck that makes a lot of sense uh and, and again uh, I know why she would freak out at hearing this or because of just how much she actively avoided hearing why, because she kind of knows she's not stupid. Uh, um, all I think when I'm saying this is I'm out of it. Yeah. Uh, and that's such and a that's good a, feeling, isn't it? That's a, a really positive feeling. feeling. Well, I look at also, uh, in 2007, I guess, once I'd removed destructive elements from my life, because uh, in 2005, I, you know, had a very public nervous breakdown. I'd, I obviously have a reasonably complex brain, one that you shouldn't give too many mushrooms because it shuts down um, and then oversimplifies things. Uh, but once I kind of got that destructive force out of my life, it only took a year and a half to really, you know, have book deals, TV specials, uh, the, the, the Edinburgh award, whatever. It only took a year and a half. Oh. So I think without this destructive element, constantly in my ear telling me I'm destined to fail or my ideas are stupid, they've been done before. Uh, without that block, things kind of look pretty promising. There's a, there's a lot I can get done. Yeah. Uh, there could even be that whole final series of the podcast could be a book, but with science attached. Yeah. Uh, and... As I say, that that I mean, what I've heard is incredible. I'm gonna I'm gonna go into it more now. It's uh, just the way 
Yeah, I mean, God, the whole thing, the whole thing, the the fact that you, I mean, I'm obviously reevaluating it now, but the fact that you undertook that adventure, but the way you just recorded it and the way you talk about it in such beautiful detail, you know, how your skin feels and how your hair felt at particular moments, it's just beautiful. And you couldn't have recorded all those things. The way you recall things is 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 beautiful on the podcast. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. But you'd only heard the final episode. Yeah, I, as I say, I don't consume uh, much media. Not the final so it's not... series, because I no. think the skin, the getting in an argument with me dad. Uh, did you hear that? That's bit? there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's in, in the final the... episode. Yeah, the final episode is like two hours long. He's getting oh, onto two two hours long. Such a yeah. good job with that. You can get everything on all sound. Yeah. Uh, yeah. for a one-time price, I think. Um, you could hear uh my voice. You could hear in my voice, my mind fighting for supremacy, for re-ownership of itself. Uh, that someone had dug their claws in very, very deep. And it was strange. You become aware of how powerful your mind is because my long-term memory was almost superhuman. And yet I could not tell whether I'd had a shower five minutes earlier or not. Mm. Well, what is powerful, okay. what is powerful is, is once you're in once you're in this situation when you're in this situation, and as you say, it's so common. When you're in this situation, you just don't realize it. It's drip drip. You didn't realize it. It's only afterwards yeah. you think, how how did I miss this? Then you start finding out about it. You think, oh, you're in that situation. You've been in that situation, and you were in that situation for 13 years. And I'm sure how powerful it would have been, you know, for you eight, 10 years ago to see this and you'd have had a different 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose that's when kind of the delusion of defining by hindsight, which I still on some level, I've seen how easily reality can strip away. And I've seen what the mind is capable of conjuring. And I find, okay, forgive me if it sounds like shtick. I often say this on podcasts, but I find reality a bit far-fetched. <laughs> Particularly now. And I'm like, come on. Trump president, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. For me, it started at Schwarzenegger as governor. <laughs> And then it just got more and more unrealistic. And you've got to understand, I went to rehab for mushrooms and I'm still not entirely convinced I've come down. <laughs> and But how I cope with, with all that being said, how I do the that I don't wind up in the stasis of victimhood of... Shoulda, woulda, coulda, if only, if only, you look where I was, where I was going, and then what the fuck happened? Uh, and it left a lot of people going, what the fuck happened? Um, uh, but maybe it's my job and particular skill set that the only thing I've ever really been very good at is taking horrible things and turning them into something funny and beautiful. That's really my only skill. It's a skill, the skill that I've had since the age of fucking whatever the fuck, uh, since I was a kid, apparently. Yeah. Uh, uh, everyone has something that they're, they're, that they're good at. So maybe. You have a choice. Have you, you, you do have a choice. So one thing I would say life. is that you say you've recorded things and you've got the truth there recorded for anyone that would want to see it. In my experience, a lot of people will see that evidence, will hear it, and they won't hear it. They won't want to see it, so it will mean nothing. So if you can move on from it without having to go down that road, the lightness that you feel now, the happiness that you're away from it, if you don't have to revisit it, or prove that, it, that could be the yeah, that could be the way to go. If you've you've got your truth. You know what the truth is. The people that believe in you know what the truth is. If you can now move on from that 
And I mean, it's tricky sometimes if you're operating in similar worlds because you're script writing and if she's script writing and there's going to be mutual contact well, and stuff. But if you get very can... strange that she's written for a very successful Netflix series. Let's just leave it at that. I won't use her real name. Yeah. And people have reported back to me that she put shit in there that she did. Yeah. And I think it's, and that is, uh, I suppose, scientifically and evidence-wise, they are impartial because I never told them which bits going into that series were her ideas. And I know which were her ideas. And then in hindsight, I'm like, oh, you did that from experience. Oh, and you did that in real life. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so it's practically an admission of guilt. Uh, but as I but say, these, these... Again, these, there's no need to prove yeah. anything. Uh, uh, as you said, yeah, you, you, you can try and make the argument to show... It, it, that's having to argue with someone who tantrums at evidence and their own cognitive dissonance and yeah. sometimes just arguing with themselves when the truth seeps in yeah trying to defend that and put forward your case is actually part of the torture and then that means they're still in there yeah as yeah, yeah just said if you can remove yourself from that but again i guess the only reason that i have discussed this here is i really don't want to be the guy that when you go so how are you coping with lockdown and i'm just like great i fucking love it crushing <laughs> yeah. no talking about it here is fine because it's part of the process but i just mean if you can um as you say, if, if if you make that decision that you're not going to use it in other hours, then that could be the right decision for you. Because and also if you if you make the decision that you're not going to use the evidence that you have to show to people to say, look, this is what happened. People just will look at it, will see black and uh, they'll tell you it's white. You uh, you will show the same thing to different people and they will see it totally differently so if you can move on without having to show it to anyone if you've got the truth inside of you and can move on from it both as a and as a person creatively i truly believe that is uh, a great way you know you don't have to go down that road you can want to go down the other road you can want to know no i need i need people to see the truth i need i need people to do this but what benefit that is going to bring to you is questionable. You know, if you're feeling free of it now and you can every day becomes easier, every day becomes better, then that could be the route for you. You know, as you said, I'm not going to turn it into one thing. It will inform a lot. Yeah. 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 Use the emotions from it to inform other things. Yeah. And I think I'll probably turn it into 20 other things, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, although Ollie Horn had the best one which was unconsciously the first time I got on stage and talked about it, mm. uh, there was almost a catchphrase in the hour that unconsciously I kept on saying that there were touchstones where I kept on saying to myself, what the fuck happened? I used to be Brendan fucking Burns. <laughs> and I, and he, he begged me. He said, if you do an hour, I'm begging you <laughs> to call it I used to be Brendan fucking Burns. <laughs> Well, that's it. It's like anyone that sees you do stand up now, and I'm sure you're going to do some stand up very soon, even if you don't talk about it at all. The fact that you've talked about it or people know about this, it's people are just going to see you in a completely different light. Even if you're comp talking about something completely different, if you're talking about joy and happiness, they'll know it's coming from a place of you are finally joyful and happy. You don't even have to talk about the reason why you are, you know, because well, people... We'll know that it's weird as well uh, after so much emasculation for so long like testosterone and masculinity was a bad thing in mm. uh, my house um uh, it was automatically bad uh but then <laughs> but then there would come the resentment and abuse from not being man enough it's funny yeah. uh and uh but the weird thing is as a guy to try and talk about it in an hour, you got to be aware that you'll be immediately labelled a misogynist. <laughs> uh, even though, again, that's why I really didn't want to call it hashtag men too, because women were the first ones to believe me. 
But also, as a guy, if you even write a domestic abuse survivor character, people go like, okay, but we don't want him to be too pathetic. Mm. So, I'm not doing the fucking guy-girl wah, but I'm just saying, if you're in this situation, even when you Google it to try and find out you are, Google and the internet and every article tells you you couldn't possibly be. Uh, and you're kind of coerced into man the fuck up, quit being such a fucking pussy. So there's no, there's no heroism. Yeah. There's no, but, uh, and anyone that isn't an abuse survivor thinks it's an inappropriate subject for comedy. Yeah. Also, it will never work that way yeah. again because people give you a lot of license when they realize something is raw and you're saying it for the first time. Yeah. But it was also strange, I guess, that, again, as my mind was trying to regain supremacy of itself, fight for supremacy, uh, and I was merely on stage, I think I'd even said, I was told to get up tonight to remind myself who I was. Uh, so people know that you aren't thinking when you're speaking, That, uh, but instinct is kick kicking in. Mm -hmm. And the instinct to remind myself who I was, who I am, was steering the ship. And instinct is 30 years of stand-up comedy every sentence had a punchline. <laughs> yeah. I, it's so strange that at first I was even worried about saying it because I was worried what she would do to herself when she found out that she had done it. Because I know that's why she's <laughs> yeah, avoided yeah. finding out is I do fear. Yeah, totally. What she, there was yeah, a part yeah. of her that would be mortified that she could ever do this, but I've also yeah. borne witness... Yeah. To her being mortified, but then she feels guilty, but then she feels self-pity, then she feels resentment, then she lashes out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I identify with everything that you said, and I'm in that audience that you're talking about. I'm one of those people that can identify with it, and there are lots of people that can't identify with it, and that's when it becomes a grey area and certainly a very grey area for stand-up comedy. Um, but for the people that can identify with it and they're certainly going through it now watching this and listening to this will be incredibly incredibly powerful because it's, it's something that is talked about but it's not talked about i've not heard a discussion from this perspective from someone that's just come out of it and someone you know not not that your stand-up or your career should make any difference but it but it does in a way because people will think they know you and people think they you know, they will have one view on it on you that is incredibly polarized. And this totally makes people reevaluate everything that they've seen that you've ever put out, probably. Like yeah. to this day, I still once a week get people messaging me about sober, not clean. And then saying it changed their life. It helped them. Yeah. Um, stand up's the most selfish of all the art forms. Mm. Uh, but. The, the reason it works is there's a generosity of spirit and enough neediness there that the payoff is that the audience gets to laugh with or at you and release endorphins. Because mm. if they weren't, we would be insufferable. It is the only art form that is basically saying, I am so interesting that we're going to sit in a room for an hour and listen to what the fuck I reckon. <laughs> Like, like, actually, these days, there is one thing, one thing that is more selfish and even less altruistic, and that's right-wing pundits. <laughs> right-wing pundits go on the road now and do live talks. And, I mean, there's the odd laugh. <laughs> what, I mean, what do you – what? Glenn Beck live. What? What? <laughs> Alex Jones. Alex Jones is the only thing more selfish <laughs> than stand-up comedy. 
<laughs> which, which at the very core of it is, I know what's really going on, and you will be more informed from watching me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but I'm not even going to give you a laugh at the end of it. Um. Uh, yeah, but then again, he does get, you know, he does, he did say, you know, in court that he's an entertainer and he's just doing it, you know, that it's a character. Um, yeah. And like a pro wrestler. He, fuck, what a gimmick. <laughs> hey, fuck Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> oh, I pretended to be in a wheelchair for a couple of months. Fucking 50 years, cunt. <laughs> It's like uh, I was watching this the other day that um, The Undertaker is retiring for the first time. He's for the first time he's doing shoot interviews as himself, as the old man. Mm. Fuck Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, my God. <laughs> you get a chance to watch this. It's uh, I think it's called The Last Ride or something like that. The Undertaker, The Last Ride. Right. Here is a man that for over 30 years pretended to be a zombie. <laughs> In public. At every appearance, <clears throat> protected the gimmick, would not be filmed, did not, did, only ever did shoot interviews when he had adjusted his character slightly where he was uh, a biker character for a couple of years. <laughs> and then the rest went back into being a phenom. <laughs> and this is in a post-kayfabe era. <laughs> and managed to get people to respect that he's apparently dead. <laughs> And for the first time ever, he's actually started doing interviews and he's this frail, kind, softly spoken old man that's really, really damaged. Because also for 30 years, he had to pretend to be impervious to pain <laughs> while taking 300 pound men and pile driving them, taking both of their weight and putting it on his fucking knees. And he's nearly 60. <laughs> And, and and basically has to pretend that he he doesn't have like six fucking metal thighs. <laughs> Fuck you, Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, I had a slopey face for a month. Fuck off, cunt. <laughs> that is method acting. <laughs> I realised it is the most impressive performance in the history of performing <laughs> but i'm not going to give alex jones that he's just been a cunt <laughs> i'm glad that we just started talking about performing and psychology of performing and something that had nothing to do with it yeah yeah well that was great that i mean at the end there you could just see the the lightness and the uh, the future. And yeah, if you've been writing about things that aren't that, it's so difficult to get laughs out of what you've been through that if you're oh, using that emotion. I will say one other thing as well. I want to yeah. actually, I will leave with this. Okay. And this is just a crazy mind at work, but sometimes you see things that no one else does. Two things are happening at once. And again, I don't quite buy reality. And I'm not going to go to America anytime soon because two things have happened concurrently and no one is marrying them. And that's scary to me. Everyone keeps talking about Tiger King. <laughs> Everyone has seen Tiger King. It has gone beyond viral. It is the most viral show in the history of fucking viral. And there's, a and there's a thing that they say at the beginning of Tiger King that everyone seems to overlook. And it's really the only thing they should be taking away from it. And that is, it says, the statistic, there are more tigers and big cats in captivity in America than there are tigers. Uh, than there are tigers. Yeah. Uh, in the world. Yeah. There's a little caveat to that. There's actually more tigers and big cats in Texas than there are. That number is still bigger. Mm. You look at these cages. You look at these keepers. Everyone's indoors. Already in this city, I have seen animals change their behavior. 
You can't walk into Melbourne now. And bearing in mind, I'm Australian. We look at the food chain and the ecosystem a lot different. And everyone keeps saying, this is going to let us know what we are as a society. No, motherfucker. This is going to let you know where you are in the food chain. This is going to define what you are as a species. Because we keep on talking about the end of the world. The world ain't going fucking anywhere. And already in this city, I walk into town. It's a ghost town. It's a ghost town. Melbourne is a ghost town. The suburbs are fucking alive and people are wandering around in parks. But no one is in the city. And every day I'm watching people get attacked by seagulls. I mean, I don't just mean bothering them. I mean they are physically attacked because there's no scraps. And animals are changing their behaviour. What the fuck do you think's going to happen when those cats don't have meat? And everyone's like, well, they'll just get killed by their owners. And I was like, did you see the cages, you dumb cunts? Do you not understand what a big cat is when a big cat doesn't get fed and there's 20 of them, I don't care how many semi-automatics you have, uh, how many semi-automatics a fucking gay captain, fucking weird cunt in leather trousers has, <laughs> him and his friends are going down. <laughs> America is about to be Africa. <laughs> I don't mean a tiger in Africa, but I mean there are certain subsections of America and people laugh at this notion, but fuck me, I'm right. <laughs> fuck me, I'm right. If seagulls are attacking people in <laughs> Melbourne after two fucking weeks and your meat has run out, you're about to be prey. <laughs> like, okay, so it's not, I mean, as in like, you're going to be on a food chain. So, okay, America's about to be India. Like, you, you've seen those videos of people riding on fucking mopeds and a tiger comes out of the fucking jungle and chases them. Like, you're going to, like, good luck getting to work. Uh, you're about to, like, everything you thought was important is about to fuck off. When you're on the food chain and you're not at the top anymore, <laughs> and we worship cats <laughs> we still worship cats and domestic cats and dogs they're done <laughs> they're done because they, they're, they're going to catch coronavirus and die they're going to fucking spread it get ready cat people <laughs> <laughs> I give it a few million years <laughs> cat people we keep on looking into the future and see those aliens with big skulls and fucking <laughs> black eyes. And I can't help but feel that anytime they're portrayed, it's like, that's not aliens, that's us coming back from the future going, <laughs> right, you all died. And that's why the inside people look like this. Already, everyone inside, like, is halfway there to our depiction of aliens. And it's like, you know what I mean? They got dull fucking black eyes. They're fucking <laughs> pale and pasty with their long fucking fingers and extra dexterous fucking thumbs. <laughs> aliens. Fucking, it's not aliens. It's us coming back from the future going, fucking uh, pandemic and cat people everywhere outside. Look out. <laughs> and you can have the best view of this from your penthouse in Melbourne. You can watch it all oh, unfold. Yeah. You can watch it all unfold. writing about it. <laughs> that's my next. Beautiful. That's my next... <laughs> yeah, just, just say what you see, man. Um, just, it's going to begin as a documentary, like Idiocracy. <laughs> Here's all the warning signs these cunts didn't notice. Anyway. <laughs> thank you so much, Brendan. What a. Um... Hey, thank you. I didn't know I was going to talk about this today, but uh, it feels good. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Keep well. Keep on that uh, upward trajectory, as I'm sure you will. As I'm sure you will. I've got a couple of albums out. Yeah. Uh, a new one soon. Uh, you can get a Patreon. There's copies of the script up there, of the uh, and uh, even table reads and all sorts of shit. You can buy that whole podcast series, can't you, for a tenner? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's new stuff appearing on the website all the time. Um, but also, I think, um, should I say that? 
I think there's people worse off than me right now. Uh, and uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. If you're interested in finding my back catalogue, it'll all be there. Um, but I think uh, money is be better spent. Uh, I, I wish I knew the names of more charities right now. Um, but yeah, if people can afford it, though, man, they give to charity, then they want your albums. It's fine. It's fine to be plugging albums at this time. People can, if people can afford it, they can afford both. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Brendan, wow, thank you so much for joining me today and uh, telling me that for the first time. All right, thanks, All right, man. Thank you so much. The incredible Brendan Burns. There, go to brendanburns.net. And there's links off to allsound.com that, as we discussed there, you can buy the whole of uh, or what's called Reality Denial, DWG, and um, listen, as I will, to that amazing story. So that is our show for today. Join us again for more psychomedy. As you know by now, I'm sure we're going out Tuesday, Thursdays and Saturday. Please listen back on all these daily shows, all the main shows. Please give us a five-star review. Psychomedy is produced by Mike Hansen at Pop People Productions. Check out psychomedy.co.uk. There's mental health tips from our counselling partners at ThreadUp, who are also offering free check-ins at this time. They're there to support you. If you'd like to support the podcast, it's patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy. I'm Nathan Cassidy. Lots of love to you all. Stay healthy. Stay optimistic. Tune back in for more psychomedy. Pod people.